What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab Podcast, episode 8. We are now coming off of the end, basically the end of the NFL's 2021 free agency period. Uh, so far, the only ones that are really left that I can think of that are notable names are Jadavian Clowney, James Conner. That's really it. Almost everybody's been signed. And now it's time to focus ourselves on draft season. I'm so excited. The draft is in around a month. Uh, um, this next month is going to be jam-packed with mock drafts and positional breakdowns and just my explanation of what I think teams should do and stuff like that. I'm really excited to get into this episode. I've got this really cool study that I've done or just like a look at certain teams. I did. I broke down every single team that has had an immense improvement in a two to three year span. That's seven or more wins in a two to three year span. And broke down why they got there and how they did what they did. And if another team that's currently in the league can replicate that same way to success, that's going to be how they do it. So I want to hop right in. But first and foremost, I have another week in review. We haven't done this now in, I think, two weeks because of free agency and there was just way too much news to be talking about it slowly but we're gonna put a minute on the clock i'm gonna get started ready three two one go so the 49ers traded the 12th pick for two first and a third round pick to the miami dolphins then the miami dolphins proceeded to trade 12 back up to number six with the philadelphia eagles so ultimately the dolphins traded down from number three to number six adding an additional pick niners traded up into three steelers cut steven nelson broncos re-signed kareem jackson buccaneers re-signed dominican sue and donovan smith colts re-signed ty hilton seahawks signed carlos dunlap ravens signed sammy watkins chiefs signed jaron Zach Wilson shined in his pro day, and Deshaun Watson's grievance numbers just keeps going up as his case is getting harder and harder to believe every day. So thank you guys. That that was the week in review. Uh, been a huge week in the NFL. Uh, just really quickly, just going to talk about some of the stuff that I just mentioned. Uh, the Niners trading up till th- trading up to three. Definitely going to go take a quarterback. I'm going to speak more about that as this episode goes on. But they're making that aggressive move. Uh, a couple more signings. None of them are too vital. Uh, Sammy Watkins is now going to be the one. I really like the re-signing of Kareem Jackson and the Buccaneers re-signing both of their guys that were on the Super Bowl team. And then Deshaun Watson. I don't want to get too heavily into it because I honestly don't know much about law and what it means and what's going on right now and what's in NFL teams' heads. So I'm not going to touch too much on Deshaun Watson's case. But it, just to give you a quick recap in case you don't know already, uh, a anonymous masseuse came out and said that Deshaun Watson sexually assaulted her. And since she came out with that statement, more and more and more massage therapists have came out and said that the same happened to them. Uh, the lawyer, Tony Busby, is creating this huge array of names and really making it hard for any innocent bystander to believe Watson's side when there's so many people speaking up and his camp hasn't really talked much about it. I don't know what this means for his trade market or what it means for the Houston Texans, but as of now, he is not going to be in a good situation, and that is for sure. So I'm just going to let that situation ride out, um, and we're going to get right into my article that I've written. So what I did is I went through, in the 2010s, 
all the teams that in a two to three year span, some of them actually won, went had six or more wins. There's actually only one six, so I'll do seven or more with one team that's an exception. So I'm just going to break down each of these teams that had this very quick st startup and give reasoning as to why they did it. I split them into four different categories of ways that they blew up so quickly, and I'm going to say what teams currently in the NFL look like they could do the same thing. So I'm going to get right into it. The first tier that I have, or the first grouping of three eras or three teams, was a quarterback, a rookie quarterback who progressed over time with that same team, and that is the 2018 Bills to the 2020 Bills, the 2017 Browns to the 2020 Browns, and then the 2016 Rams to the 2018 Rams. So for the for the Bills, uh, you guys know really so much of what they did came at hands of quarterback Josh Allen, who progressed so much in his third year on his rookie contract. They added, they quickly, as soon as they were invested in Josh Allen as their quarterback, they added three veteran wideouts in Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown, making them go from the 30th best offense in 2018 to the second and the second best defense in 2018 to the second best offense in the NFL and the 14th best defense really making their team look so 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 much better uh in the 2020 year they reached the conference championship and that is a gain of seven wins in two years uh the 2017 Browns to the 2020 Browns they went 0-16 in 2017 and then 11-5 and this past season and made it to the divisional round of the playoffs that is an increase of 11 wins in a three-year span and that can really be attributed to the drafting of Miles Garrett at the number one pick and Baker Mayfield also at the number one pick. Many teams don't get the chance to get two number one pick in the draft talents, but they really hit on both of these guys. They did what they had with Baker Mayfield while he was on the rookie deal. Most recently, they signed Kevin Stefanski, a head coach that has great outlook for the rest of his career there. They also traded for Jarvis Land or signed Jarvis Landry and traded for Odell Beckham, making them have one of the best offensive arrays in football. They completely switched their style from this chaotic, I guess it was a pass-first offense with Deshaun Kaiser and Johnny Football, but uh, it was just a broken offense to now this run-first, run-oriented team, and they looked fantastic this past year, and they're only going in the right direction. And the last is the 2016 Rams to the 2018 Rams, who went from 4-12 and to 13-3, and also making and losing in, but making the Super Bowl. That can mostly be attributed to the hiring of Sean McVay in 2017. Uh, uh, offensive mind, you know I've heard... I've talked about him before, and he is fantastic in my opinion. Uh, so much of it could be attributed to the progression of Aaron Donald. They drafted him in 2014, but really starting in 2016 is when he started to get as dominant and as good as he really has been. They also drafted Todd Gurley, a running back that, though he's now not looking like what he used to be, at one point he was a 1,415 touchdown running back who was really putting the team on his back. They also, in the year that they went to the Super Bowl, they traded for Marcus Peters, though his tenure on the uh, LA Rams was not too long. It was still definitely contributed to that Super Bowl defense and contributed to something that they could hold on to long term. It really did come at the progression of Jared Goff, who going into that Super Bowl year looked like he was about to turn into a 
star at quarterback. Since then, everything's eroded, and there is not much left of Jared Goff. He was actually traded to the Detroit Lions this year, and we'll see how he does on that team. But at the time, this did look like the progression of rookie Jared Goff going from 2016, only having four wins, to 2018, lead it, being top five in the league in passing yards and bringing the Rams to a Super Bowl. So in all three of these, I think that as soon as they drafted him, they did not know that their quarterback would be the one to lift them out of this ditch that they did, that they dug themselves in, but they did, and that is how they got out. The next grouping of teams would be teams who had a rookie quarterback who hit the ground running as soon as they got on the team, and that is the 2011 to 2013 Colts, the 2014 to 2016 Raiders, the 2017 to 18 Texans, and the 2015 to 16 Cowboys. Now, out of everything on this list, these are definitely the shortest 10 years of how quick somebody got good because these are quarterbacks who, as soon as the rookie stepped in the building, they started winning games, and it's so crazy. The Texans and Cowboys was literally only a one-year change, and the Raiders and Colts were a two-year, but they can all be attributed to literally one name that goes with it. They definitely have the least amount of moving parts that had to happen for the Colts in 2011. After the departure of Peyton Manning, that year in 2011, uh, Peyton Manning was injured. The Colts had always been a very competitive team, and then they drafted Andrew Luck, who then propelled them back into the conversation of always being a deep run in the playoffs. That year, they went to the divisional round and lost, but that was an improvement of nine wins in just two years. Uh, For the Raiders, they drafted Derek Carr, as well as Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, uh, they got Derek Carr on that rookie deal and surrounded himself with and surrounded him with talent. The year that they in 2016, the year that they had 12 wins, they signed Reggie Nelson and Michael Crabtree, giving them two veterans that knew how to get it done. Though the 12 and four team really wasn't long lived, it was a very short stint of being great. It was under Derek Carr, just got drafted, and then all of a sudden started making things happen. He was in the MVP conversation that year. And he looked like he was the next quarterback up to be an all-star. Obviously, now looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that isn't what happened. But when he did get drafted to the Raiders, he hit the ground running and looked fantastic from it. For the Texans, you know who it is. It is the same dude that I mentioned earlier who's now currently fighting to get off of the Texans, but it was Deshaun Watson. In 2017, he started his rookie season, already started by week two, but then sadly, halfway through the season, the his season was derailed due to an injury off-field. J.J. Watt that year also got injured for the entire year, so a very, very talented roster was just crippled and didn't have the players necessary to win even though DeAndre Hopkins shined and then the year following everyone was healthy everyone was there and they got the most out of DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavian Clowney, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, Hopkins, Watson and the whole Stills and Will Fuller. This the team was looking like the best it had in a while. That year in 2018 they made the conference finals. The year after they actually were playing the Oh, no, I I meant the wild card. But the year after, they were actually playing the Chiefs in the conference championship, which is just that they just continued to improve. Now, sadly, they've turned around due to Deshaun Watson wanting out and the incompetency of the front office and things like that. But at the time, 
it was quick bounce back from a really bad season where they didn't look like they had much future to one where they had the youngest one of the youngest quarterbacks in the NFL just about to even start looking at his prime. It was sky was the limit for the Texans, but sadly we are where we are now and we know that that is not the case. Lastly, in this tier, we have the 2015 to 2016 Cowboys. 2015 was this weird stint between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. You know the name. You know the draft class. The 2016 draft class for the Cowboys was one of the most legendary draft classes by any team in NFL history. They got Dak Prescott in the fourth round, Ezekiel Elliott in the first, and Jalen Smith in the second. All ended up going on to be pro bowlers, and Dak and Zeke both as rookies competed to be the offensive rookie of the year throughout the entire season. It was fantastic, and literally on the backs of these two guys, they led a team that was so poor. I mean, also you can attribute it to Marcus Lawrence, had a very big breakout year. Uh, The defense altogether just stepped up, but it was really attributed to Dak and Zeke coming there that they ended up getting... So good, so quick. Romo and McFadden out the building. New guys in the building. Rookie contract. Get it done. Next, we have the teams that did it and made this huge addition wins despite having a bad quarterback. So this can really be attributed to a good defense or good head coach. These teams include the 2016 to 2018 Bears, the 2016 to 2017 Jaguars, and the 2018 to 2019 49ers. Uh, So for the Bears, they switched from John Fox to Matt Nagy, who ended up going on to win Coach of the Year in 2018. Uh, In 2018, they also traded for Khalil Mack, signed Allen Robinson, and had altogether one of the best offseasons for a team that I can really remember. So though they had Mitch Trubisky on his rookie deal, at the time he wasn't looking awful. People had... They said that though he wasn't the one that was shining and getting Pro Bowl, I know that he made the Pro Bowl, but getting Pro Bowl type numbers and he wasn't really the one that's winning the games for this team. He could be the setback. That was really what the topic of discussion was. But ultimately, Mitch Trubisky ended up turning into the Mitch Trubisky that we know today, which was two more years of incompetency led him to becoming the backup in Buffalo. But even with Mitch Trubisky there, Jordan Howard and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and all these offensive weapons and Trey Burton led to a very, very efficient offense. And on the defensive side, they were just wreaking havoc. One of the best defenses we've seen in the decade, including Eddie Jackson, uh, Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and the list goes on. Uh, The 2016 Jaguars, a hilarious story. That about a team that went so quickly from nothing to something back to nothing. Uh, in this time, they had just been compiling all these young defensive guys that all just seemed to break out at the same year. They had all drafted homegrown. Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Fournette, five guys that all were incredible. They also signed Calais Campbell coming from the Arizona Cardinals, one of the best edge rushers in the league at that point and put together an incredible roster all around Blake Bortles, which even the, uh, again, it was at the time people were saying, eh, he's fine, he's nothing, he's not the one getting the team the wins, but he's at least good enough to keep going. 
They ended up proceeding on to go to the conference championship, surprisingly, where they lost to the Patriots. They beat the Steelers in a very high-scoring game that was one of the most fun playoff games I remember of the 2010s. But ultimately, all of these young guys ended up leaving for one reason or another due to contract disputes, due to lack of competence in the organization and things like that. This year, they're now going to be restarting with the number one pick and most likely Trevor Lawrence. But... At the time, they had all of these fantastic young pieces on defense and a quarterback who was shaky but still on a rookie deal, and they went all the way to the conference finals that year. In 2018 to 2019, the Niners had one of the biggest turnarounds that I can really remember in general, going from 12 or going from 4 and 12 all the way up to 13 and 3 and making but losing in the Super Bowl as well. I think that that can be mostly attributed to the drafting of Nick Bosa, the emergence of DeForest Buckner, Fred Warner, and George Kittle, thanks to the defensive mind of Robert Sala. And it was at the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, when he came in a deal with the Patriots. He was still on a rookie contract at the time, and coach Kyle Shanahan, who's an offensive genius, really felt that it was his team, and the year prior he was injured, that's what they chalked up the awful record to, is that Garoppolo wasn't healthy, and when he played, he was getting wins, yet he wasn't throwing for these incredible yards that they were saying, he's the reason why they're winning, and then people saw it on full display, the Super Bowl, when he really couldn't get it done when necessary, he was the worst quarterback on the field, and now they've moved up to three to draft a new guy only two years later. Now for the last grouping of teams that had the quick comeback, I have the veteran QB sign slash trade, and that is the 2010 to 2013 Broncos, 2018 to 2020 Buccaneers, and the 2012 to 2013 Chiefs. Now these are the anomalies, but it's a team that had all the pieces in place, and with one single move that didn't come from the draft, they went from a nothing to a something. For the Broncos, you guys know it was Peyton Manning came from the Indianapolis Colts to the Denver Broncos as a free agent, one of the biggest free agent signings in NFL history. They also signed John Fox as their new head coach. They drafted Von Miller, Demaryius Thomas, and Eric Decker between 2010 and 2012, giving... Manning, an array of people to throw to on offense. Von Miller obviously ended up becoming the Super Bowl MVP when they won the year after in 2014. But 2013 was the year that Peyton Manning had his 55-touchdown season, so that was the good timeline of three years leading from the four-win season all the way up to the 13-win season. Also, the breakout of Chris Harris Jr., and the fact that they had Champ Bailey and things like that, those could all be attributed to them being so good, but it really just came from the signing of Peyton Manning. For the Buccaneers, you guys know this is the exception. Uh, They only won an extra six games, but they're the only team on this list that actually won the Super Bowl, and that was thanks in part to the hiring of Tom Brady and the moving on of quarterback Jameis Winston. Uh, They signed Bruce Arians a year prior, and everybody was so excited to see Winston in the system. He went on to throw over the most yards in the league and the most touchdowns or I don't know if it was the most touchdowns but 30 touchdowns but also threw 30 picks and was the biggest reason why they continued to lose and were under 500 that season so the year after they took all the talent that they had in Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, 
uh, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard. They're great O-line, and they signed Tom Brady from the New England Patriots, which clearly was the right move to do. They also traded for Shaq Barrett and drafted Devin White and Vita Vea on the defense to give them a very, very, very stout defense. Definitely top five in the league at this point, but it's really the Tom Brady effect that ended up getting them to where they were. Uh, there are some guys in this league that when you sign them, they just make that big of a change. And then the last team that I have, this is probably the least reasoning for it, but it's the 2012 Chiefs going 2-14 and 14 to the 2013 Chiefs going 11-5, and five, and it was really just the hiring and the start of the Andy Reid and Alex Smith era. Both of them came in that one year. Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds coming from Philly. Uh, in that one year, they gained nine wins and made it to the wild card. Uh, obviously, we know Alex Smith spent a very short time, but very productive time on the Chiefs, making Pro Bowls, uh, throwing for, an I think, top three yards in the league at one point in his stint with the Chiefs. Andy Reid knew how to use him properly, and then as soon as Patrick Mahomes came in the building, you guys know the story from there. But yeah, those are my 13 instances of teams that in two to three years made a huge turnaround. I think all these are hilarious to look back on and just very nostalgic because I remember when all these teams got good really quickly. So I have a couple of takeaways from all of these teams that I've just talked about and what teams could do going forward starting now. So first and foremost, this is going to be a hot take, but based on what we've heard in this list, the first five picks in this year's NFL draft need to be quarterbacks. I know that that might be a jaw dropper and it might be, what is this guy saying? There's Penny Sewell and there's Jamal, Jamar Chase and there's Kyle Pitts and all of these player generational talents at other positions that aren't quarterback. But when I look back at that, at this list, Josh Allen on a rookie contract, Baker Mayfield rookie contract, Jared Goff rookie contract, Andrew Luck, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, Jimmy Garoppolo. Ten of the 13 teams that had this quick turnaround all came from a rookie on their rookie deal while they were on their rookie deal. It was not that they progressed, they made their second contract, and then they randomly started winning with their team. It was while they were on that first four years with the team, the team got it done. So, because of that... People are now realizing just how special and important it is to have a rookie quarterback that's very talented on their rookie deal. It means that you can build around them and pay money to the other positions that are important while you still don't have to pay the quarterback yet. Obviously, then the way to create a dynasty is you pay them, but you make it work with enough money that you could still surround them with talent, yet you keep that quarterback on the roster. But the times when they shoot up from bad to great are when they're on that contract. Uh, going through each pick, we already know that the Jacksonville Jaguars will select Trevor Lawrence or a quarterback for that matter at number one. They're definitely going to select a quarterback. I can't guarantee anything yet, but we've all but heard everything, all the signs leaning towards Trevor Lawrence. 
at number two for the Jets. Based on what the rumblings from this week, it really does seem like they're going to end up taking a quarterback. But I think that they have now recognized that it's either take a quarterback or trade down. It's not take somebody else at that second pick. They just know that the, with the Niners trading up for a quarterback, that is where a quarterback will go. Then the Niners pick, they obviously traded up to do that. You don't add two firsts to get a tackle or a receiver or somebody like that. It's just not what you do when they're trading up. I mean, whether they keep Jimmy Garoppolo or not is another story, but they're clearly going in for a quarterback. At four is the Atlanta Falcons. I don't even need them to be the ones to take it, but they need to understand the importance and the value of being able to have the two of the five guys left on the board when quarterback has so much value that they should either make a deal with the Broncos or make a deal with the Panthers or the Bears or the Washington football team or Pittsburgh or another team that's willing to trade up to go there. I think that the top and then same with the fifth pick, the Bengals. I know that the Bengals have a quarterback. I'm not saying that they should be the team to draft a quarterback. I, I recognize that Joe Burrow is the future. I'm a big fan of him, but I think that if you dangle the idea of Panthers might trade up, you might get the Broncos to just bite enough and say, we have a talented roster right now, let's get this rookie quarterback and restart the rookie contract deal. I know that they do have Drew Locke, who is on that rookie contract right now, but they also don't have much certainty with him. So I think that those first five picks need to be those first five quarterbacks that everybody has heard about. That's obviously Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. I think that they need to do that. I'm going to do a specific message to the Jets right now about this situation. They need to draft a quarterback. Like, I I know that I had said that it already feels like they're going to, but I want this to be, if there is anybody listening, if anybody has any relation to Joe Douglas, please reach out to him and say that Jason Schwartz is begging, begging, begging that you draft a quarterback. And uh, it's for the same reason that I've been talking about all episode. Having him on that rookie deal is so, so, so important. I think the Darnold project can go in three ways if he stays with the Jets. He's either going to play this year and not play good enough to get a second contract. We don't have him on the fifth-year option, and then he leaves for nothing. And we could have gotten a third-round pick this year or a second-round pick this year. Instead, we get nothing. Or he plays just good enough to get a deal that's multiple years, and then he doesn't play up to that level and is just below it, and he's going to be this nagging contract on the books that doesn't look good, that we can't build around because he's going to have such a high cap number and it's going to end up being a negative for us to just even have him on our roster. Or the third option is that he plays amazing, gets a second contract, is worth it, and we go to a Super Bowl. I think that there is a 50% chance of the first and a 49% chance of the second and then a 1% chance of the third. That does leave the door wide open for another team. If you want to trade and you want to be the one to pay Sam Darnold, just see what you can get out of him. Even if you trade that third, it's you're not committed to him. Because he's a New York Jet, It's we need to get off of him now. Reset the clock. He needs to be paid in a year. 
And that is the way that they should go, especially when looking at these 13 examples that I gave above and how important it is to have them on that, that contract. Whatever his age is, we know what his contract is at this point, and he should not be the one that is getting paid. Another thing that I learned when going over this whole I, this list of the 13 teams is that you should always pounce on a generational player if you have the chance, but you need some semblance of the team before you do so. You can't just randomly throw money at the number one dude on free agency or trade all your draft picks for the number one dude there if you have no one on your team at all. If, you, if one to three of your drafts have three to five really solid guys that you can build around, that's when you start to do it. And I know that it's obviously easier said than done. Hindsight to just say, this draft was good, this draft's not. It takes a lot of time to figure out which one, who works and who doesn't. But if, if you can already get an idea that you've hit on the last two drafts, and then in this coming free agency, you have a high draft pick and you can get a quarterback on a young deal or you have a mid-round pick and you could trade up or something like that you always do that it works too often that going all in for a number one guy when there's already something built around it works but doing it willy-nilly doesn't so you need some bit of semblance and then go after that generational quarterback another thing that i thought of and gave reason to is that the NBA is is a very like wherever the champ wherever the star goes the championships go to it's LA it's Boston it's Chicago it's the big teams like that they end up just getting one big free agent because there's only 13 dudes on the team if you get a LeBron then it's clipped and i always like to think that football is different and football is different 99% of the time except for Brady and Peyton. If you have a top five talent of all time, it really is so similar to the NBA in that wherever they go at any point in their career, they go and completely flip an organization. It's I've said it on the first podcast. I continue to say it. But those two dudes and hopefully Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers a bit follows in these ways. But yeah. Uh, this list made me remember that head coaches are so useful and meaningful in football just based on the switches and how almost every one of these teams had a quarterback switch at some or a coach switch at some point that got them to this big job. It also made me remember that no team is bad for more than two years. Even if it really looks like their cap situation's in hell in two years and they only have old players on their roster, it is so quick to shed and get draft picks or hit on th two or three guys, especially if you somehow get a rookie quarterback that is so great. In one year, any team can really be flipped. So it's not fair to say that any team doesn't have an outlook past two years. I think any team has the chance to be the Super Bowl winner in 2025, all, all 32 for sure. And lastly, I am going to give you two teams in the NFL currently that fall into each of the categories that I stated above. This is just how I think that if they want to get their turnaround to happen a very similar way, these are all teams that have had very bad records as of late, but with the similar moves that they fall into, they could end up having this insane bounce back as well. So for the progression of a QB over time, I have the Bengals and the Cardinals. 
with Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow. Both can easily go from number one pick in the draft. Both of them have already not came out guns a-blazing and been unreal. I do really love what Kyler Murray's done, but with playoff hopes, they didn't make it this past year. I think he builds off that this coming year, and they do make the playoffs. And then with the Bengals, Joe Burrow had an injury in his first year, but if he continues to progress on Cincinnati, I think that he could be a really great piece and fit into that category. Rookie quarterback who's going to hit the ground running. I have the Jags and the Chargers. Chargers, they've already started to see that with Justin Herbert. If he can capitalize off of the record-breaking year that he had first year, then he could. Def- the Chargers could continue to build a really, really solid foundation. I know that they haven't been really awful, awful recent as of late, but they, they can have immense improvement in the next two years if Justin Herbert actually looks like this MVP-type player that we see him as. And then for the Jaguars, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's the Trevor Lawrence show. Hopefully, when he signs, he can just start winning as soon as he gets to the Jaguars. I don't think that they have so, so much on the defense and offense already, but they definitely have enough that if he looks like this generational talent, they could make the playoffs this year for sure. Winning despite a bad quarterback that's on their rookie deal. I have the Broncos and the Giants. Uh, A big thing, a big caveat is that they needed to be on their rookie deals. So I couldn't say Raiders or Vikings or any of these like teams with mid-tier quarterbacks who could just somehow get it done. I'm talking about a young quarterback where they're not paying the quarterback position. So because of that, they were able to surround the quarterback with so much talent that they end up being good and they have a good enough coach in Vic Fangio or Joe Judge that they put it all together and Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, and the Giants, and or or Kyle Fuller, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon putting it together with the Broncos, I think both are very possible and both could have a very, very winning season this year, even without a great quarterback. And then lastly is a veteran quarterback signing or trade. For that, I have the two teams that I mentioned in episode two as my favorites, the Panthers and football team, two teams that I believe have enough money to go after a Deshaun Watson type, a Dak Prescott type, uh, and they have a great enough roster that they definitely could just add in a quarterback and then all of a sudden they're fant- they're looking so much better. There are other teams that obviously can fall into this if they don't hit on their quarterback, but these are two teams specifically that weren't too great two years ago, and now with their one quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contending team. So I hope you guys liked my analysis of the teams that broke out and started winning games very quickly. I had a lot of fun making this episode. I want to do more episodes in this type rather than just news and coverage of free agency in the draft. I want to do more like stories and articles and actually dig deep into like why teams get good and team building and things like that. I'm very interested in that. So I'd love some more ideas on that front. Uh, Our free agency challenge is still not yet done, but as soon as all of the 50 players that were on the contest get signed to their respective teams. I'm going to announce the winner and send them their prize. I'm still getting so excited about all the news that continues to come out. I love it when there's nonstop football notifications on my phone, and it's just a great time in the NFL. I'm so excited for the draft. 
I'm so excited. Next week, we'll probably have a mock draft. I also want to find a place when I can fit in my top 150 players of the past season. I made that list, and it took many, many hours. So I want to reveal that in some way. I got to figure out which way is the best. But mock draft and positional rankings for the draft coming very, very soon. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. I hope you enjoyed listening. Have an amazing day and peace.